We are in a series called A New Way of Thinking. This is the final week, in fact, in the series. Um, and we've been looking at the road uh, of Jesus to transformation and to change. And so just for a few minutes, let's review, and then we're going to take one more step in this journey. Um, we've, we've moved through a path, a logic path of change that began with awareness, moved through acceptance and awe, kind of translated itself into action, and then last week, Pastor Dan talked with us about the need to persevere in that change through adherence, um, through testing and temptation. And uh, if you remember some of the stories that we've looked at in the Bible that have illustrated this, in awareness, we looked at how we see um, ourselves and God in the stories of the tax collector. Um, and if you remember the story of Hagar, who renamed God as the one who sees me. Um, and then we looked at acceptance in the, the life of David, of King David, who, although he, had, he was a man after, after God's own heart, also, also tasted and made choices that brought him to the lowest point, both morally, ethically, um, and personally, and in his lowest moments, found that underneath was the mercy and grace of God, uh, as he was able to embrace and take responsibility for his life as it was. Um, and then we looked at the story of Job, who, this ancient story of a man who, who lost everything and had deep questions uh, for God about why bad things happen to good people. Um, and we, we, we looked at the fact that God did not give him a direct answer to that particular question, but instead gave him a perspective of the wonders and the complexities of life and the universe all around us. Um, and invited him to, in that, in that moment of transcendence there, of seeing and being swept into the awe of the life of God to, um, you know, to actually trust. And then we looked um, at Noah, who was given this sort of impossible assignment from God that, that you know, a flood was coming and he was to build a boat um, in a culture that had no rain, um, and how in faith, for, for years and decades, Noah set off on this huge project, believing, believing the promises of God. Um, and through this act of faith, um, God brought deliverance uh, to the human race, ultimately. Um, one of the reasons we're sitting here today. And so we talked about just uh, activating obedience um, based on faith. And then last week, Pastor Dan talked about Jesus' teaching on the good soil, how there's all kinds of different soil um, and the seed is planted in our hearts, um, and what kind of soil actually bears a, f a crop of righteousness. Um, and, and this was the teaching on adherence. So just a little journey there. All of these sermons um, and teachings are up on the website if you want to review or pass them on to your friends. Um, and today, um, uh, we are going to look at a, a, a sixth principle here, but um, here's, here's some of the metaphors that we've, we've used. Awareness is like a light in a dark room. Acceptance is telling ourselves the truth. Awe is seeing a larger vision of life. Action is taking steps based on belief, and adherence is sticking with it. Now, this week, uh, we look at the principle of abiding, so our sixth and final A. Uh, and this comes from Jesus' uh, famous teaching in John 15, uh, where he says this, I am the grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. You cannot be fruitful 
unless you remain in me. Now, we get from this, this great teaching, this principle, that connection, our connection to God, activates capacity, the capacity of God. So our connection to God activates the capacity of God. Now, let's be very clear um, about the center of our faith. So Christianity is not simply um, a long list of enlightened moral teachings that if you follow, uh, you, ha- you have the blessed life. Okay? It is more than that. It is certainly a, a enlightened set of moral teachings that does lead to the, to the good life. Um, but the source of the power in the Christian life um, is not us. So it is not good news at the core if God were to reveal to us the way if we don't have the capacity to walk it. Would you agree with that? Um, knowing the way to blessedness without having the power to achieve it would not be good news. Would you agree with that? Um, it would be a sort of living torture. And so when we, come, when we come to the Christian faith simply as a list of moral teachings to obey or not to obey, and we put the focus of our attention on our performance, this actually does not lead to life. It leads to, on the one hand, either despair for most of us, or some people actually reduce the full meaning of love in that um, to, a, to, a, to a very reduced set of do's and don'ts. And because of their incredible discipline, they actually feel like they have achieved it. Um, and they're better than everyone else. This was the tax collector, remember him in the story? And so, and so that leads to self-righteousness. But self-righteousness or despair, would you agree, is not good news. And so Jesus in this teaching and where we want to end the series this, this week is, is to look at all of these incredible principles of wisdom that Jesus gives us for transformation and to root them in the very core of Jesus himself. And what he's saying um, in this teaching, look at it again. He's saying basically, listen, the whole Christian journey, the whole Christian project, all of your life and mine, if we choose to follow Jesus, um, is actually like being a grapevine under the care of a master gardener who is God himself, right? And Christianity at its core is the fact that you and me, through Jesus' work on our behalf, have been by grace grafted into God's vine. We've been actually given the flow of the life of God in our own selves. So take a look at yourself for a second um, and your neighbor. In Jesus, the very life of God now indwells your physical body. Okay? This, is the, this is the miracle of life in God through Jesus Christ. So there are no ordinary human beings in this room. Uh, they are extra, you are extraordinary because of God's design, his intention, his love, and his grace. And he is stopping at nothing to regraft you into his very heart. Um, and so the power of God dwells inside of you. Now Jesus is saying, the secret to fruitfulness then is actually staying in connection to 
that power or that life. Um, and in fact, he says, you cannot, you cannot be fruitful. You cannot have the fruits of an overcoming life without your connection to the life itself that comes from God. Um, and that's why I say connection activates capacity. Now think about this. Um, you have all kinds of appliances, right, in your home um, that do wondrous things. They have, they have wondrous capacity. Um, and sometimes, sometimes they don't work, right? Um, and I, I do this all the time with my computer. Like, I'm like, it won't work. And so I call IT. And you know what they always say to me? Is it plugged in? And I'm like, of course it's plugged in, except that it's not. <laughs> have a nice day, right? Because, because disconnected from the power source, the capacity that is in whatever, that, whatever those appliances you know, are, are reduced to nothing because there is an interplay between the capacity that's there and the power source. So Jesus, you know, maybe in more contemporary terms, is saying, stay plugged into me. Are you plugged into me? Because this, this is the secret to power and overcoming um, in the Christian life. Now, uh, I, want to, I want to take you quickly through some places in the scriptures that show us how to, how to abide, how to stay connected in ways to Jesus that activate your capacity for an overcoming life. Okay? And the first, the first is, is, is this. We need to pay attention to Jesus who resides in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, would you agree with, with me with these statements? When Jesus says, follow me, or the scripture says for us to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit, that it is impossible to follow someone if you're not paying attention to that person? You know, follow the leader back in grade school? Um, it's not a complex game, but what is, what, is the, what is the key to being able to follow the leader? You have to, you have to keep your eyes on who? The leader, and you have to imitate the leader. So, great spiritual writer Blase Pascal said this, inattention could be the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, if you were to make your top 10 list of the things that would sidetrack and destroy your life, would you put attention or inattention on your list? I mean, it seems, it seems so innocuous. It seems so benign. Um, we make jokes about our busyness and our, and our tizziness. I like that word this morning. Um, uh, and yet, would you agree that on this logic path, at least, that when we lose sight, when we lose consciousness, when we lose awareness, when we lose attention to Jesus, it becomes very, very difficult to stay plugged into him if we've, if we've lost attention to him. And so what I want to say to you is that when Jesus says, follow me, he actually means keep your eye on the leader. Keep your eye on me. Keep awareness of me. Now, you say, well, but my life is incredibly busy. Um, and this is true. Um, Americans are incredibly busy, and we're, incredib we're incredibly productive, and we have 24-7 distractions, right, at, at, at epic levels. Um, and so, so, 
you have things to do. You have work to do. You have families to raise. You have, you have a zillion and one things that are a part of adulting right, in your life. And so the question becomes, I can't spend my whole life in a quiet time or a worship service. So how does Jesus actually expect me to pay attention to him in the course of a busy life? Well, if you actually read the uh, life and example of Jesus, he also was quite busy. Would you, you, would you agree? Like he was ministering to people oftentimes uh, morning to night and all this stuff. He, he was certainly active in doing the will of his father. Um, he certainly was not disconnected or divorced from life. He was a carpenter. He was a workman. Um, he, he, in many respects, was every man, right? And yet we see accounts of him where he says, I never do a thing or say a thing that I don't first see or hear my father doing. He maintained constant connection to God and awareness of him in the midst of everything else he was doing, which, which leads me to this hypothesis. It is possible to work with Jesus. It's, possibly to, it's possible to go to school with Jesus. It's possible to do the laundry with Jesus. Um, it is possible to have kin- continuous awareness and connection to Jesus in the midst of ordinary life. This is called the practice of God's presence. If we're going to abide in me, if we're going to abide in Jesus, we're going to have to learn to do it as we live. Um, and so sometimes the idea that we set aside some time for God on Sunday or maybe set aside some, some time for God in the morning, uh, while true is not probably the accurate way to, to, to frame the goal because the goal is to live all of your life with God, as the letters tell us in the Thessalonian letter, to never stop praying, to pray without ceasing. Well, how do you do that? Well, obviously, you have to do it while you do everything else. Um, now, let me tell you a story here about a guy named Brother Lawrence. Uh, he lived hundreds of years ago. Uh, he was an ordinary workman, was not educated, but he had an incredible awakening to God in, in the face of Jesus Christ, and he wanted to give his life to service. So he did the only thing that he knew to do for really serious and devout followers of that day. He knocked on a door of a monastery and said, will you let me serve God? And so they talked to him. They saw his seriousness, but they said, you're uneducated. Uh, you are totally unfit to be a, for religious life, you know, here. Like, you can't be one of our... One of our uh, members, but you can come and work here if you want. So they let him wash the dishes. So now here's Brother Lawrence on fire for God in the middle of a religious order where people are walking around giving time for quiet and prayer and reflection, and he's in with the piles of dishes. And at first, it so discouraged him. He thought, like, how am I to advance in my spiritual life? How am I, get to, how am I to get to know God when I can't go to classes and I can't, you know, I can't, I don't have hours and hours upon end uh, of quiet to pray. And so this thought occurred to him. I wonder if I can pray while I'm doing dishes. And so Brother Lawrence set out on this little experiment. He writes about it in his letters uh, where he simply attempted to see how long he could keep a conscious awareness of Jesus while he worked. And when his mind would wander from Jesus and he would lose connection in the middle of his work, he, instead of beating himself up, he would simply return his mind to Jesus. Um, and he found that with 
some attention and concentration, he could do two things at once. He could wash dishes and pray and be aware of Jesus um, for longer and longer stretches of time. And this brought him so much power and joy that now he's in the dishroom exuding heaven on earth in the middle of a pile of dishes. And the, the monks started to walk by and they would look in and go, what's going on with this guy? And eventually, one of them stopped to ask. And he simply shared that it's possible to practice the presence of Jesus while you wash dishes and everything that you do. This was so transformational that soon Brother Lawrence in the dishroom had a long line of monks waiting to receive spiritual counsel from the dishwasher. Okay? Um, and I've always loved that story uh, because I think there are so many people who think, well, listen, I'm a, I'm a businessman or I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mom or I'm a... You name it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I go to school. I... I, I'm, I'm trying to survive, you know, in life. Like, I don't, have, I don't have the luxury of all this training or time, and therefore, the depth of God must be off limits for me. Well, remember Brother Lawrence in Jesus' words that the secret, the core of the, of the Christian life is actually connection. Because connection is what activates capacity and all of God Everything in life uh, can be an adventure with God, can be done with God. If you change your mentality and learn to pay attention and to practice God's presence. Uh, thirdly, there's this principle. Sometimes we have to go slow in order to go fast. So think about uh, a baby that matures to crawling who takes, you know, means to stand up, takes some wobbly steps, learns to walk, eventually starts to run. Or think about anything else that you've learned, like riding a bike. You know? And then eventually, eventually, as you do it slow, you're able to do it what? Fast. Um, in the same way, if your goal switches to remain connected to Jesus, sometimes we have to slow it down so that we can speed it up. So there, are, there is a place for concentrated times where, for even the ordinary person, where we set aside some time to be still and quiet, to concentrate on connection with God, to learn the rhythms of what it feels like, um, and what it, what, to experience the repetitions of being close to God, not so that we can tell everyone how long we spend in our quiet time, but so what? So that when we leave the four walls of that quiet place, we can, remain con we can remain connected during every moment of our life. So in other words, the goal of going slow is to do what? It's to go fast. Uh, never, never think of your relationship with Jesus in segments where your spiritual time is your quiet times or your time at church and the rest of your time is something else. It's all spiritual. The goal is to live every minute of your life connected to God. But some, so the reason that you go slow is in order that you can never forget Jesus in the middle of your life. And this is a completely different vision, I believe, um, of why we spend time with God in quiet is so that we can spend time with him in the chaos. Fourthly, this. Um, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to learn to interrupt 
in attentiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had incredible moments, um, you know, where I am inspired and where I feel the closeness of God. And I think to myself, I'll never forget again. Um, in fact, this quiet time was so amazing, I want to live all of my life today with God. And then I walk out the door, I get hit with stuff at the office, something goes wrong with one of my kids at school, I start to get, I start to get panicked by something, and guess who I've forgotten? Jesus. Like, I'm off to the races, I'm trying to solve problems, I've lost my awareness. Um, now, here's the, here's the incredible thing. If you are practicing a discipline of morning and evenings where you return your mind to God, what's the longest that you can go with forgetting Jesus? It's about 10 or 12 hours, right? Like at least you'll have a point of stopping where you remember. Um, But if you have a pattern of habitual forgetfulness, you know what the first step you need to do? You need to interrupt it. So one of my buddies actually um, took his smartphone, which is, you know, a wonder and a curse, Right? And he, he got on here, something very hard, and just set his alarm to beep every two hours. Just goes beep. I was in, his, I was in a meeting in his office. I'm like, what? Uh, what are you supposed to get milk tonight? Or what's the... <laughs> and he said, no, I've just noticed that when I get into work, my compulsiveness and my forgetfulness is so intense that I've just set up something simple on my phone to help me to remember why I work and who I work with. And so even without stopping, I mean, what he started with is just taking a minute to close his door after the beep, to take a couple deep breaths and remember that the life of God actually dwells in his own soul and to reconnect to Jesus and then go back to work with him. But he said after, after some time, he could just hear the beep. And it just, even when he's in the middle of a conversation or in the middle of a meeting, beep. Oh, yeah, Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. Um, and he begins to retrain his mind um, for communion. Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 26. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour, you know, in the garden? Keep watching, keep watching, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but what, what is weak? Our body. So we have to retrain our body for connection. And then fifthly this, count on grace. I love this text in John 7 where Jesus stood up in the middle of the temple and he said this, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. For the scripture declares that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Do you realize that Jesus is saying that any kind of person in any place through simple confidence in him, can have the rivers of the life of God coursing through the very core of your being in ways that begin now and last forever. This is eternal life, that you may know me and the one he's sent. This is for you. This is for me. It's for anyone as we count on grace. And let me, let me tell you how this works. There's three, there's three movements of counting on grace. First is to count on Jesus in you. This is the secret, Paul tells us in Colossians 1.27, that Christ lives in you. Now look at, look at me here for a second. I talk to people all the time 
who are asking the question, can I really make a difference in the world? I mean, me, I mean, really? With all of my failures, with all of my smallness, with all of my insignificance, I mean, really, like with the bigness of the evil in the world and what needs to be done, does my, does, does my life matter? Does it count? Like, does it really add up to anything? I mean, like, why even try? And you know, Jesus reframes this and he basically says, you are my hands, you are my feet, you are my body, you are my presence in the world. What this means is that when you walk into the grocery store, you know who walks in the grocery store? Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if there would be more God in the workplace? Do you know what this means? That every time that you walk into your work, people that are around you are meeting who? Jesus. My wife is constantly saying, never underestimate the power of the presence of Jesus inside of ordinary people. And sometimes you look at another person and go, well, I I can believe that for them, but I can never believe it for me. But let let me tell you this morning, Counting on grace means never underestimating the power of God to leap out of your body to touch someone through your hands, to look at someone someone through your eyes, to draw people into healing, into life itself with the greatest power in the universe that resides in you. And counting on grace is learning to believe that. Unleashing your capacity is learning to believe that that there are no ordinary people and there are no ordinary moments, that everything is a sacrament of grace, that every place that you travel with Christ in you is holy ground when you're connected to him, that Jesus' plan for saving the world is you because he lives in you. The way that Jesus comes to our friends, to our families, and to our world is inside of you. Counting on grace means counting on Jesus and others. You remember the story where Jesus says, you know, like, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And his disciples were going like, what? Like, I don't remember doing that, you know? I remember doing that at all. And he said, no, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to who? To me. So when you, when you love with the Jesus in you, someone else, you know who you're ministering to? that person, but you're also ministering to who? To Jesus. Like, can you imagine what life would be like every day to get up and go, Jesus is in me, and all the people that I'm going to meet today come to me as Jesus. Like, they're actually my chance to love him, to be connected to him. Wouldn't this change our lives? But yet, this is what Jesus teaches. And then counting on grace also means counting on Jesus in little. Another one of my favorite stories. Do you remember the, the multitudes, thousands of people um, that had been out all day in the wilderness listening to Jesus' teachings and they were hungry? And Jesus turns to one of his disciples and says, hey, they're not going to be able to get any food on the way home. Uh, you feed them. And the disciples start freaking out. They're like, we didn't have that on the grocery list. Like, there are thousands of people. We do not, there's not a grocery store and we don't have the money. Like, what are you talking about? Feed thousands of people. Do you remember this? And a little boy walks up and goes, you can have my lunch. 
And so the disciple is like, thank you. Two little, you know, was it five loaves and two little fish? Four thousands of people. And so Jesus comes to them and goes, guys, what's your plan? They go, we don't know, but we got, we got a lunch. And you remember that Jesus took the lunch, he prayed over it, he blessed it, he broke it, and the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. The origin of that was what? A boy's lunch. So as we're counting on grace, what this means is that we count on Jesus in us. We We count on the appearance of Jesus in others, but we also, we, also, we also count that God makes much out of the little we have, that he multiplies, that he blesses, that he does miracles through the little. Jesus sums it up like this in John 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So here's here's the deal. This is, the Christian life is about union, not perfection. The Christian life is about union, not perfection. If you make your focus perfection, trying really, really hard to do the right things, to say the right things, to to be the right things. If you make that your goal, you end up in despair. Jesus is saying, if you will make the goal connection, union, out of your inmost being will flow miracles. Miracles that will actually heal the world. The question is, what are you focused on? What are you looking for? If you remain in me, if you will stay connected, everything else will flow because connection activates capacity. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this series of a new way of thinking that has led us down the path, the transformational path of Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't want to simply leave the series until the series has actually penetrated our hearts. And today, God, we thank you for this incredible principle, this extraordinary truth that the goal of the Christian life is actually connection to you. Lord, I pray that we would be people who learn to pay attention to you, that develop continuous awareness of you, God, that practice your presence in every place that we are, who think rightly about going slow with you so that we can go fast. Lord, that we would be people who count on grace. Jesus and us. 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. God, for for people in this room who have lost connection with you, may they hear your sweet invitation to live all of their lives, everything, with you. For those, Lord, who are still exploring your way and have not yet plugged in to your life through faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that you would turn them to you and help them to experience abundance, grafting into your heart, For all of us, Lord, may we be a community that practices connection. May we help each other in this. May you bless my friends today. In Jesus' name, amen.